hello and welcome to Shoot the Sh, the episode, uh, the podcast where I interview men because I want men to talk. This is episode six. I'm joined by Jeremy Lyons. First of all, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Um, I was just saying before, uh, this is a exciting podcast for me as Jeremy is my first guest that I've had no previous knowledge of, of his life or anything that he's that he's done. He's just someone that I reached out to on LinkedIn. So this is my first podcast with a stranger. But yeah, I'm excited to get into it and I'm excited to to hear about hear about you, Jeremy. So first of all, let's have a little bit of a of an intro. Who is Jeremy? What is what is he about and what's his story? Sure, and a big question, big question. Um so I guess um in, in a sense of how I've come into kind of working in the space of men and mental health and that sort of thing. I can I can talk about that, um, but I'm sure we can talk about more kind of general journey as well. Um, but in terms of yeah, mental health, so I actually um, kind of, I did engineering at uni, nothing completely away from mental health or anything like that. Um, and then I went on um, after that to kind of work in the city and do stuff with commercial roles and stuff like that, completely away from mental health. Then COVID came and I realized what I found most interesting whether it was at uni or in the workspace, it was actually conversations with people, working with people at a basic level. But then when things were coming more specific in terms of mental health, I really started to realise I found a passion in that. So I did some volunteering, but that wasn't enough. And I wanted to give a lot more to it. And so um, I then went on to do a master's in uh, psychology. Um, and in, in doing that, kind of got more into my interest in mental health and psychology and, and volunteering, working with amazing organisations um, and started up uh, working some stuff with students. Um, and I could see definitely certain groups um, had a lot more stigma and barriers around that, men being one of them. Um, and so some passions definitely came around working um, in that, that sort of space. Um, and now I work with um, an amazing charity called Beyond Equality, working with kind of schools, universities, um, organisations on, on kind of um, facilitating groups for men to be able to, to speak about all sorts of things, mental health, masculinity and stuff like that. Amazing. So... I guess the first point that I want to sort of touch on is 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 COVID. I guess the big the big C word that was obviously a that was probably a big time for a lot of people. I think there was a huge shift in in working environment, and for some people in some unfortunate situations, a lot of additional pressures ju- just from the not just the lockdown itself. Is that is that something that you? How was your experience with lockdown? What was your experience with lockdown like? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good question, and um, so I guess so for me, I was lucky enough that I I was able to continue working for most of lockdown. Um, so I was working kind of in a commercial sort of, it's basically a sales role where a lot of that was kind of um, whether it was LinkedIn, emails, calls, and things like that, all things you could be done uh, could be done from home. So from that point of view, I felt very kind of grateful that I was even able to work. A lot of people weren't. Um, there was maybe like a month in total of a furlough, and even that was, again, I felt lucky to have had that support. But what it did mean was that I think for a lot of people, um, it gave me more time outside of work and looking at the conversations and kind of the big picture stuff that was happening um, in conversations around, do I want to be doing this? Um, with it feeling not as kind of secure and, and just going through the motions where it was up in the air what would be happening and that's what kind of got me as I say to be thinking about what I really find interest in doing and as I say there's obviously more conversations around mental health because so many people were not as lucky as I was 
Um, and so that definitely got me to have kind of quicker levels of, of burning out. Yeah. Um, just because I didn't feel a great sense of purpose in doing the work I was doing. Um, and, and that definitely was the biggest factor, like I say, to go in the direction I'm going now. Um, but I do feel very lucky personally from, from what I had. Yeah, I think the I think COVID for me was 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 an interesting time. I I was a small uh, well, still I'm a small business owner, but my small business at the time it was a bit of a bit of a pressure. There was no initially there was no like uh, support or anything like that. We were the we were the last on the chain, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a great a great experience. I think when I look at it as a whole and we look at the mental health that sort of came out of it, I think for me that's where I started to take a little bit of an interest in mental health. And I also noticed a peak in it becoming a bit more of a buzzword. I think it really was a case of, like you said, you either had that opportunity to, you might have been on furlough and you might have been like, well, let, what can I do to, to better myself? Or am I actually in love with the job that I'm doing? And you then also had the the polar opposite of that, where some people's stresses were so magnified and so uh, elevated that it almost became a, a, a melting pot of people sort of being put under substantial mental health pressures. We, I was in a, I was living in London at the time, and it's obviously not a cheap place to to live, and it's when you don't have the enjoyment of everything that's outside of London, it's like, what am I paying hundreds, if not thousands of pounds a month for that is just a room and I'm still doing the same thing. So there was obviously that big shift of people moving out of London and stuff like that. But it was that interest for me, that was the interesting thing was that mental health or that percept, like that perception of just looking at yourself or having additional pressures was just magnified through, through COVID. And that's, I wouldn't say I was grateful for COVID because there's obviously other other sides to it. But for me personally, it was a it was a nice journey to to go on. So for you, it was a case of right. I want to I want to move into a more sphere of of this space. So how did that journey come about? How how easy was that? Like what were your what were your challenges? Yeah, so it's a good question. Um, so I kind of alluded to. A little bit of experience with it. So at uni, um, I said I did, I did four years actually of engineering. So I got a master's in that. Um, some of that was based in my own interest from school and things like that. I like understanding how uh, things work, and some of it was kind of this like this general idea of uh, the kind of careers that you know have the best potential, and that was a lot of what was driving me. But outside of it, um, I'd say I did some volunteering with Crisis Text Line, uh, they called Shout, um, and so that's people come in. You know, with crisis, but also just sometimes being to have conversation. It's a bit of volunteering I did, and I really enjoyed that. Um, I spent a summer uh, doing a placement where it was kind of with the the college I was with, looking at uh, resilience and and kind of how the wellbeing systems working at the uni. Uh, whilst most of my friends were doing kind of cool aerospace projects and things, and that's just where my attention was was going for some reason. Um, and so I had a, a bit of experience there. I also took an extra module in psychology and just little bits and pieces. And then, and so I had a, a bit of an understanding of that. And my, um, my girlfriend as well was doing psychology. So again, just from, from her kind of um, uni days and kind of what she was doing at work, again, I saw what careers look like and career routes, which can be very confusing um, if you don't have anyone to speak to about it directly. Yeah. 
Um, and when I was on that furlough period, I basically applied to do a conversion. So you can convert psychology in one year and yeah. you need the degree to be able to go on and become a therapist and that sort of thing. So yeah, I applied and luckily got in and um, was able to, um, uh, yeah, to, to leave my job and do that one year conversion also over COVID. Amazing. So obviously there's that interest there. Is that, was that just purely interest or is that, is that stemmed from something? Is it, is what was, what was the draw to, to that side of things? Yeah, it's a very good question. I think now that I'm much more within the space, uh, whether that's kind of a, from a exciting perspective, having done that or more actually kind of working with people, um, I realized there are loads of elements of, I guess, experience, identity, community, um, that have been quite personal to me. So for example, obviously there is the issue of the stigma around men's mental health. I think also uh, racialized communities. Another big one for me is neurodiversity. So that's a bit of a buzzword, uh, particularly in corporate spaces. When I say buzzword, just in terms of things people may have heard of, but not what it means. Yeah. Um, so I have um, dyslexia and ADHD. Um, and so through school, for me, that was various things of, well, having enough extra time, having a bit of extra time, maybe people would have seen it through that lens, but also some stuff about um, expectations of how I was behaving quite young, quite erratic and things like that. Um, loads of emotional stuff come with having ADHD, for example, as well as the reading and writing of dyslexia. And um, overcoming all of that, um, I think I was, I was lucky in, in, in able, being able to do that, but I've seen a lot of kids that you know work with these days as well that don't have that luck if they, if they aren't kind of doing well at school because of learning difficulties and in the workplace again if reasonable adjustments aren't there people can really um really struggle and so i found all these different communities that were being particularly affected by um with, with their mental health that i thought i connected to and i've had the opportunity and privilege to overcome those spaces and i really want to share that um within that space i felt like i had a unique perspective on certain things compared to um yeah other people's experiences if that makes sense yeah it's a it's an interesting topic because school is such a to be honest with you it's it's arguably one of the toughest environments to be a to be a part of as a children are, yeah. are quite cruel so I, I was. I think. I think most children go through some form of, of bullying or some sort of uh, picking on at any point in their sort of journey through school. But it's 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 interesting that it's that that's now where you've sort of gone full circle and where you're working towards is with that with that side of things and try and trying to actually sort of help that side of things what is the what is the goal with that because i think we we're, we're finally coming through a phase of i guess societal pressure where education is the most important thing and like leaving school with three a levels and going on to do a degree is no longer the holy grail of what's of what's needed so what is it that's sort of changing now within schools that you're seeing that um, is helping those those sort of sets of people? Yeah, no, it's a really good point. And I think, um, I think there are th two things to separate, I guess, with school uh, in the sense that, like you say, there's very much going to focus on attainment um, it, to the degree to which that's, yeah, get, 
get these grades, go to these, whether it's higher education, college, apprenticeships, whatever, and then continue to value yourself on, on how much money you can make in the next number of careers. I do think schools play a fundamental role um, in a sense of development, uh, community, these sort of values that we're now starting to champion in the workplace and wider society. Um, so I think, you know, my experience kind of doing workshops and volunteering with schools shows that, I mean, everyone knows and we're starting to know anyway that teachers are really um, some of the, the pillars of, of what, you know, what we can do uh, right and, and in terms of their impact on development of, um, of children, young people. And there's so much pastoral care that goes into that. Um, whether it's stuff around emotional intelligence, that again, is like much more of a complicated concept as adults, but really starts from that age. Um, support of, of kind of how you're interacting, socializing with other kids. I think there's so much uh, emotional, pastoral, mentorship-based things at school that are, are, are educational to an extent, but aren't about kind of attainments, exams, uh, careers, uh, but will give you dividends in those things be, and way beyond that in terms of family and stuff and i still think it's just kind of adding to existing uh systems like schools rather than then kind of working against them or working against each other and i think that is the aim to make whether it's kind of curriculum pshe whether it's just working with organizations together um community-based stuff like councils and stuff just working with things that are working um rather than this competition idea of this is the right way or this is the right way i hope that made some sense yeah, I think it, well, it's it's important that it's interlocked. You don't want like different ideologies. That's really important. I think for me, I'm, I'm the, I'm the back end of the millennial generation. I think, I think I just creep in. So I'm like 92. So for me, school was just sort of like, I, I wouldn't say that I had any of that experience or anything like we did like P, P, one of those PGSCEs however many letters were in it whenever I, whenever I was there. But, <laughs> yeah. um, it, it was never really talking about that side of things. And I think for me now as a, as a young adult looking at my mental health and starting to have that relationship with it, I look back at all of the, I guess, shit that I went through as a kid and all of the shit that I went through as a teen and all the shit that I went through when I was at uni and sort of my early career. And I'm like, if someone had just said, like, you you will have ebbs and flows, you will have negative things that happen in life, and you you just need to assess them as a as a whole picture rather than this little insular moment that in the in that in that phase was essentially the end of the world. I think it would be significantly better. And we, we the whole thing for this is men's mental health and uh, what i what i'm learning and what i'm hoping is the case and hopefully you'll um, put my mind at rest a little bit more is that young young men and and young boys are are given the tool, tools at an earlier age to actually start to deal with things and start to start to move with things so that my focus can be on on men as a generation that is in sort of my age and try and just get them to talk about anything really i think that's the biggest thing i think is we we're very insular as a as a as a gender really in in most cases yeah. so yeah and it, just to go back on that and ask that question is is that the case you feel that we're we're, we're equipping young men a lot more what's what's your views on that 
Yeah, I'm sure um, it's it's going to vary uh, on, on lots of things. People's different personal experiences, the schools, what's what's being offered, what else they're dealing with. You know, because a lot of people uh, sometimes people just have to deal with okay, school in a sense of I can just focus on what I've got to study. Sometimes there's sports. Sometimes there's this work being done by schools to kind of uh, give make them more well-rounded people. Sometimes people have got a lot of stuff going on at home, uh, parents, other situations. So it will vary. But I think in terms of for example, my experience, what I'm doing now with schools, yeah, more money and resources and attention to be putting into um, making them not feel, okay, school is 100% everything in terms, particularly in terms of like um, schoolwork and actually here are your different options to be one, to define yourself as a man. So the lot of work I do, the first thing we, we do is get them to define what they think of as a man, get them to maybe question those things. So there's this day called the man box. What boxes you in as a man? You've got to be tall, strong, earning X amount of money. What? Why do we have these things? What are we afraid of if we don't have all these things? Opening it up to, as well to, um, you know, what what different types of people are we not letting in that kind of uh, idea of being a man, and you're not letting yourself in, um, and really just opening that up, and then but also keeping what's important. What do you like about being a man, and not necessarily making it a dirty word for them as well. Um, so there's some sort of you know sense of a positive. Um, role modeling that they can make or they can look up to. Um, a lot of that's challenging stuff on social media. That's a big impact. Obviously, you've got you know the Andrew Tates and, and, and similar type of things um, like that. So there's a lot to to, to unpack as well. Um, I think before there wasn't enough conversation about these sort of bigger themes. Now there is more, but it's just obviously more complex with with this stuff coming in through TikTok and Instagram and, and stuff like that. So there's that, but. I am, to answer your question, generally more optimistic. One, that having these conversations in the first place, however much there is to unpack, um, that things will be questioned at this age, things like emotional intelligence, like, yes, I'll get in one session kids talking about these very rigid stereotypes that are harmful. But then we talk about, you know, talking about emotions, being able to cry, the suicide rates. You can see they're understanding that more, they're more used to that kind of conversation, even at a very young age, I'm talking 13, 14. Um, and it can be really quite powerful just having hour sessions where you're facilitating them speaking rather than teaching at them um, because they're used to getting content either from teachers or from socials not actually exploring that and challenging their own thoughts um, so that's happening a lot more critical thinking in a real sense so I hope that answers it a little bit yeah it does I think you touched on a few things I've, in a previous podcast I was speaking with uh, Dan who's a friend of mine from school and we were talking about that 1% and that social uh, pressure that sort of is alluded to from, from social media. And Dan, Dan does very well. He's, he works within the police. He's got a good job. He's got a loving partner. He's got two daughters and he's a very happy man now. Like he works on his mental health. He, he has, he has counseling and he does X, Y, and Z, but overarchingly, he's a happy man and he's he's comfortable in his skin and he's comfortable in in where he is in life and i think that for me is one of the one of the biggest things that i want to get out of this because i come from a maths background so like for me people that attain to be this want to be in this 1% it's like it just doesn't work it's just not mathematically possible for everyone yeah. to be to be there and if everyone was there then there'd be a new 1% that was even further away. So, yeah, I think it's really important that we start having honest conversations 
and not be like because I, I don't know if this is the case it'd be interesting to know that especially with the kids sort of being maybe a bit of peer pressure they might not want to say oh, I, want to, I don't want to earn loads of money I just want to do x y and z and have a, a loving family it'd be interesting to know if that is if there is that starting to come through but yeah that that for me is a really big goal of this is like it's okay to be a man it's okay to earn good money it's okay to look after your family it's okay to go to the gym once a week if that's what you want to do it's okay to go to the pub and have five beers as long as you're happy and content in your life and you're providing the value that you want to do then you've done it you've you've achieved happiness to an extent like you're not no one's 100% happy because that's just life but that's a big thing for me so it'd be interesting to see if that's if it's still that everyone's still after that north star because you're youthful and your dreams are big or even at that age there's a yeah really... yeah it yeah i think it it's um it varies is what i would say i think people are more aware of the alternatives in the sense that people are aware of the, the ideas of um the difference between you know working for kind of just for the money of it and the ideas of satisfaction the importance of that um the different ways you can live your life there's more of an awareness of that but there is a, a fair amount of resistance um to that just because there's also all this about women want a certain thing if that's um if that's who they're looking to attract or you know with everything going on kind of in a, in a bigger bigger scale you need to earn money to be able to do x y and z so i think they're aware of it and sometimes they are able to integrate parts of that in terms of the hopes and dreams but there's also this massive cynicism which again i think is brought out by the entertainers of the world where it's like no this is the world it's it's a dog-eat-dog world and um you've got to earn enough money so you're in power and you're control and all that sort of language that to me reads they're a bit fearful of, of not being that way uh, or and sometimes it's being fearful of being almost chastised for being men so you can't be men you can't do this and there's all these things that mean that they're not safe in some way so they've got to take back uh direction and power and uh, it's understandable where it comes from but it obviously develops into something that's very dangerous for themselves um and so I think, as I say, I think it will it will be a process. It will be a process, but I think things like the awareness around whether it is, you know, the the suicide rates or just the general importance of happiness more, whether it's role models, celebrities, sports stars, whoever, opening up just about mental health. You got, you know, your, your Tyson Furies and so many more, so many others. I think it's become more acceptable, like I say, to have the conversations and look up to people outside of the one percent uh and entertain type people my way the highway and and more people advocating for just the average person to have you know kind of positive things so it's getting there there is resistance to it but it's getting there yeah i think we yeah like i i'm so i'm so torn with andrew tate like it's I, I I get I understand why people hate him and I understand why people yeah. love him and I'm probably in the minority that is undecided because it's you're right like we we need to be happy you have to you still have to have goals and you still have to work towards them and you still have to achieve things it's yeah. not a quick like if you just sit there and you just 
don't do anything, then you're naturally going to be not too happy with 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 life and, and what the outcome is if you're expecting it to come to you like these things don't come easy you still have to strive and achieve and i think for me i there's there's a real there's a real sector that i think goes within sort of the male male community that really goes that is probably the least likely to seek support is probably the least likely to have these conversations is probably the least likely to see this podcast is that lower economic side of side of things where it is almost like working class i think jordan peterson uh, pieces um talks about those are the men that are what drive this world forward and what and probably like you touch on are probably the ones that are more likely into being that suicide section and trying and trying to sort of strive and trying to move forward and trying to provide and it's almost a fight for them in in every day and i think yeah they need more role models like like a tyson fury or more role models within things that they interact with to be to to start to drag that out and start to encourage that and i really i really do hope that i can i can reach people like that and we can start to start to have conversations but i've had conversations with my uh, ex-partner when we were so across from our flat we there was a building site and they were building and they were chucking up a huge skyscraper obviously a new block of flats and we were talking about this podcast and talking about what i'm trying to achieve and trying to get men to talk and i was like it must be it must be so hard for that man there who's operating that crane who's probably going through some shit, who's probably thinking, I need to talk to someone. But he's operating a crane that's carrying a two and a half ton pillar with four other blokes above it. So if he goes to the pub after work with those four blokes and he goes, you know what, guys, I'm not feeling X, Y, and Z. The next day, they're going to be like, watch out for this pillar. Like, we don't know what what's going through so-and-so's head. And there's that additional pressure of like, these guys are counting on me to make sure that that pillar's in the right bloody place. I can't go and talk to them about what's going on at home or what's going on in work or what's going on financially or X, Y, and Z because their sole role is to to create infrastructure and they're all cogs and they all rely on each other. And if there's a weakness within that, that must, the pressure there just must be, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even, fathom it what what it's actually like for for them to to be in that situation so that for me is a is a big thing is like how do we start to do that and i think it starts with schools like if we can start to have these conversations earlier on it should be less of a taboo further down the line so hopefully the the work that you're doing sort of starts to touch more people and starts to we start to see a trickle down into the future and stuff like that. So I'd really like to get, because like I said, this is my first podcast with someone who's not someone that I'm, uh, that I know on a bit more of a personal level. So I'd like to delve into that a little bit. If you, if you don't mind, we've obviously touched on uh, your expertise and all of the stuff that you're, that you're offering, but it'd be really good to let's start with like, how are you managing your mental health at the moment? What's your, what's your, process right now yeah 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I think what is really good for me is like a sense of routine, um, which is a bit of a struggle because the way I work, um, I either do stuff kind of, whether it's workshop based, kind of freelance or I do some consulting stuff independently, which basically means I don't know what a week's gonna look like, a month's gonna look like a lot of the time. So routine is a bit of a, a, bit of a struggle. Um, but I think it's just that sense of um, whether it is that kind of really basic cliched stuff, right? Like go for a walk after lunch if you can, if you're working from home, get away from your, your screen. Um, whether it is kind of just, it doesn't have to be a long gym session or whatever else it might be. Um, even if it's just a light bit of exercise each morning, um, kind of trying to get my sleep in, in a good enough state. Yeah, some days I may need to work up particularly. Some days I might be too tired, have a bit of a lie in. It's kind of that balance between having a routine. So there's just some stuff that if you tick those things off at certain points of the day, you've got a bit of structure, a bit of grounding, but also being patient enough with it that, yeah, okay, if you miss something or you've got sleeping later or early or some, some other reason, it's not all out the window. Um, sometimes that's writing that down or put you know calendar. It doesn't mean you need to structure your whole life, but like putting even in time to rest is kind of a good way to do it. Because sometimes what we do is we go, okay, well, we've got these five things to do in these five hours. Let's put them in. Boom, boom, boom. But if one of those things you have to do is take a break, go to the gym, eat, <laughs> these basic things, then at least you're kind of setting yourself up so you haven't got to be, have the headspace to plan it in a day because you've already set a bit of like a, a structure. Um, and so I think that's a, a great thing uh, for me personally. But like I say, just being flexible enough that that might have to change, especially with Originally, obviously, last couple of years, it's been, can you leave the house, can you not? Now it's it's been, you know, other changes. Um, so flexibility is also important. Yeah, I, I've, I've literally within arm's reach for me, my book. Um, I think this is uh, scribbled on it. That's sure it's fine. Every day, list. Trying, but yeah, yeah, like you say, there's some that have missed, and it's just new day. Just it's just that, uh, I guess. For me, it's almost writing the list is like an, a nice leveler as well. It's like right, do that. Yeah. Oh, you didn't do that yesterday. Make sure you do that one today. Like that's that's a that's a big one for me. And the other one for me is is that they're all they're all really achievable for me personally. They're not like crazy goals. So like like two liters of water. Like it's not a huge amount of water. Some people it might be, but some people might not be a lot. Like I just yeah. try and do that. I do ten thousand steps, but some people might do six thousand. It's just something that, like you say, it's consistency. And consistency isn't every day. It's consistent. Like if you yeah. do something two hundred and eighty-six times out of the year, that's quite consistent. It'd be in the high nineties of uh, of percentage. So yeah, it's that. That for me is a is a big thing. How about your personal journey with mental health? Is there is there any, ever been a situation in your life where you've had to take a step back and assess and and sort of gone down a a darker path, shall we say? Yeah, I think um, I think definitely. I think um, certainly when. I was changing careers. There was this idea that I was kind of on this um, treadmill, I guess, from school to uni to to whatever else. Where I was, it was kind of this very much the survival mode than anything else. Um, okay, 
get the A-levels you need to get, and this is like a, a typical story for a lot of people, make it through uni, um, and then, you know, keep get, uh, get a job, keep the job. Um, and, and like we say, kind of COVID was a break in that where there was a bit less pressure where you could, could sit back, but there were definitely cracks that were papered over a lot of the way. So um, I think at A-level, I resat all of my sort of uh, exams from the, the first year of, of that uh, in the second year and, and just about got the grades I had to go in. So I didn't have a, a chance to start past, okay, fine, it's fine. Uh, and then uni as well, I was able to um, add loads of, loads, loads of pressure in kind of my final years. And again, I was able to repeat some exams, kind of spoke to the, the welfare, papered over again because I was able to do that, got enough grades to get the, something that looked good enough, got a job and so on. And I just kept papering over cracks. Um, I think that actually delayed the opportunity for me to, to really look and be like, no, I've actually just been kind of burning out a long way through and I just got these lucky breaks or these coping mechanisms or people around me that have helped me through. But the more, you, the older you get, the more it's just on you, the less sort of like life hacks you, you can put in place, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that's when this, like, this thing of like, you've got to earn money um, really came into on your own back sort of thing. There's no system around you. If you get fired, then there's bills to pay, all that sort of stuff came into to play for me um and i think yeah that the pressure of doing a lot of the initiative based stuff i'm I'm kind of doing workshops with these people creating my own thing here you spoke about something in your own business i started doing a lot of that stuff for the last few years it burned me out quite significantly um where i've had to sort of take you know months at a time out of, of doing things um and kind of get back on that that horse and all of that is driven by um, financial um, financial needs. I think at the end of uni, um, I started medication for ADHD, and the problem with it is that it slows you down a little bit, so you can focus on one thing. But it also kind of uh, gets you. It helps you with motivation, so you wouldn't otherwise be doing nothing. But it also keeps you quite stressed. It's kind of like a natural anxiety. It's kind of like an induced anxiety. So I was just really, really, really burning out there, and I think I'm slowly paying for it in just like worse sleep, poor recovery over the last sort of year or so. But luckily I've not had a point where I've not had anyone around me um, where that's completely fallen through. Um, I think there have been a few difficult things growing up. So when I was about, um, it's about 10, just over 10 years ago. Um, so I have, a, I have a stepdad and a uh, family at home with step uh, half siblings and things like that. But my kind of, would be my biological dad passed away um and that was something i never really stopped to to properly kind of process and think through but i was lucky enough that i was able to speak to a counselor at school so again i've kind of had enough luck in, in people around me to support me through things but i think as a man a lot of the time you don't really feel that you can stop and just process it all because like you say in the analogy of the guy with the crane you think once you do it's all going to lay you out for whatever period of time um, which is why I'm trying to put in these, we're talking about habits, stuff about writing stuff down, uh, speaking to more people. Um, so that's been my journey so far, like I say, some some lows that I've been able to kind of luckily pick back up. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think one of my, the first podcast I did was with Matt, um, who's a good friend of mine from, from uni. 
and that's that's another key skill that we we talked about and i think you're um giving people the facility to do which is sort of spotting that fall i think if you can spot that fall and you can start to put things into place whether it's you spotting that or whether it's like you said you were lucky to have a counsellor at a younger age obviously at 10 you'd struggle to come come to that on your own conclusion so as long as you're you're able to try and pinpoint falls i think that's when you can have a really good relationship with mental health and you're able to work on your mental health because it's never going to be right i'm going to just write stuff down today mental health sorted it's like going to the gym it's like dieting it's an everyday thing it needs it needs constant work so yeah i think you may have been fortunate but you've also you've had your own experiences which is which is great to see so you touched on it a little bit and i just this this for me is a a topical question i guess we've touched on it a bit as well but how are you coping with societal pressures so you've now gone i guess you're hopefully going to turn this into a bit more of a of, of a like this is your career sorry you've you've taken that that plunge and that's your that's your vision that's you've now stepped away from that safe haven of the of the degree and, and what that looks like if you've got uh, a partner any pressures coming from there instagram any pressures friends pressures like it all starts to boil up um so yeah how are you coping with societal pressures as a person yeah it's, it's a it's a big question and it's a good question and i think you know obviously now kind of with um i think we touched on it a little bit like you were saying but the cost of living uh situation they're in i think there is um a certain amount of guilt that comes from the fact that as i said i feel my life has been kind of kind of by transitions in in ups and downs where i've been i've been lucky to sort of to, to almost as I say that idea of surviving them where i feel like almost pressure of you know i should be um working in the the sort of uh, careers that make me the most money so that whether it's my family uh, it's my partner doesn't you know that i can look after them and they'll be fine because i have the degree i have the background to be earning jobs you know earning money and whether it's kind of like in a more of a commercial role, engineering, whatever else. So me taking the risks of whether it's in entrepreneurial business type stuff or lower paid kind of education or mental health stuff, it's almost selfish um, in a sense because, yeah, I could be getting those jobs where I'm not putting them under any sort of pressure and, and whatever else. And it's a battle because some of that is based from societal pressures that are very much unfair and, and, and kind of too gendered and things like that. Some of it is based on financial realities in that I have responsibility to, to you know, to pay rent, uh, to, to make some savings so I'm not dependent on people in the future in general. So it's kind of just trying to find a balance for me of, okay, if it gets to a certain point where I do need to take on more responsibility, work that much harder, take jobs I'm not quite as passionate about but earn that much money, where is that line? But also know, okay, if I am keeping up to a certain amount of responsibility personally, then I can afford to to put some of myself into to passions and that's a very blurred line i think is well i'm gonna say i think it's men um because a lot of people don't have the op options which again is a, is a is a bit of a unique thing people like oh my dad did this and his dad did this so i'm gonna do this um 
And um, so yeah, it's a weird it's a weird thing to to navigate, but it's definitely by the same sort of pressures I think of finance and expectations that people can resonate with. Yeah, it's it's such a it's such a balance. It's such a uh, a tricky. A tr it's just like you said, you you hit the nail on the head. The the path that you have chosen and the path that I have chosen is inherently selfish and maybe from a typical uh, stereotypical man role we probably fall short in the sense of like you say it's like well why am i not picking up xyz job to make sure that i maximize my monthly revenue for the for the household every every month and you'll you almost have to sacrifice your dreams but to be that to be that figurehead in that role but i think thankfully we're we're moving into a a place where it's more accepted and if you again this this goes all the way back to what i was saying about that one percent and like you can be self-employed you can be a business owner and you can earn a, an okay wage you don't have to strive to be not every business is going to be a multi-million multi-billion pound business so it's it's just finding your your comfort because like you say you you might burn yourself out getting to 500k uh, a year and it's like i don't dare take a step over that line because i know that could that could just crush it all or you might just be yeah tunnel vision and just want to want to go the the full way and the full vision and that that's something that i've started to think about a lot more because my first business was a in a tech app and the main the main vision in my head was like this is a billion dollar idea i'm going to be a billionaire the app doesn't exist so i'm not a billionaire um, but now I, yeah. I'm on to my fourth business. We've got a very sensible business model. We have a vision, we have a goal and, and that's it really. It's not like we're not trying to change the world. We're just uh, enjoying what we're doing. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. What about friends and family? Like, uh, let's go a bit more personal marriage kids that sort of thing is that something that's that's coming your way yet because for me i've got friends that are having kids and stuff and that's starting to become a, a pressure yeah i think so right now um i live with um live with my girlfriend um so yeah so we, we cannot not that stage of marriage uh, yet but we've been together for six years um and then again so uh, no kids as well um my sense of family, uh, don't live too far away from them. Um, they very much grew up with a situation where they transitioned massively from not having much to, to kind of their hard work paid off for them uh, in terms of money, which was able to kind of throughout my life change uh, the impact of, of how I was able to live my life. And they want the same for me to, to kind of have a similar path. Um, I think there is a there is a pressure because even though uh, my girlfriend, you know, she works, she has she'll have a career of her own kind of thing like that. Obviously there's a certain extent her idea of, okay, before thinking of marriage, kids, buying houses and all that sort of 
stuff as I kind of go towards my later end of my 20s and 30s and stuff, it's having not so much a certain amount of money, but a consistent thing. Because I think that's the other end of it, right? It's not so much what you can end in your peaks and troughs if you have that kind of path at this point in time. It's, okay, but can I bet on you in five years or 10 years to be reliable or consistent and that sort of thing? Um, and whether it's a business owner, as you say, whether it's just a career that's of that nature, yeah, it, it's harder because you can't say that for yourself, which is scary. But it also feels irresponsible when you think you're going to be responsible for other people, vulnerable people like like kids. Um, and so I think for me, yeah, that's a it's a big battle. And I, what I want to pull everything to is is that more conventional, stable base of being a therapist. But again, that takes more training and stuff like that. So I think this I'm in a transition period where I'm like, okay, if I can make this something in the next couple of years where I'm able to get a, a basis where I can reliably earn a certain amount of money that I'll keep down this path. But I have to be open, I feel, because either way, for me, the most important thing that I want is to be that family-oriented person um, with my partner, with a future family. And that'd be the most important thing. Um, but I'm hoping I can do it. I can support that with a career that I love. But being with them and supporting them will be, I think for me, is like my North Star, uh, to use a phrase used earlier. And I also have that sense, I think everyone pretends they don't, or maybe they're more honest with it, about making your parents kind of proud or or making them feel that they, they're they kind of, um, the life they've given you, you, you kind of are, you, you make something of it. So it's battling yeah. a lot of things, but I, I can know personally, it's really important for me to be that person who's given my family a, um, the best situation. Amazing. So... It's there. The pressure's there. You just you you're you're wanting to work with it, which is which is great. You're not yeah. letting it dictate you, which is the most important thing. Yeah. So, Jeremy, I'll I'll leave the last thought with you. Is there is there anything that you is there any way you want to point people to, or anything that you want to um, sort of promote a little bit, and then we'll go into a, a final thought after that. But yeah, go on. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, like, firstly, thank you for having me on today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I think if, just in terms of me personally and promoting anything, as the charity that I mentioned quite a bit today in terms of working with schools and universities and things like that, it's called Beyond Equality. Um, so check them out, whether if you're involved in a school or just interested to see what the charity does, maybe even donate. Um, they're a great charity. And then um, what I do personally um, is, is through a business called um, Mastery Academy. So that's to do with mentoring. Because um, I think mentoring and community-based stuff is so important, whether it's for men or in general with mental health, to have people who have had an experience before you, to have another sense of community. Um, so whether that's through me or in general, I'd really recommend that. Um, any sort of, yeah, as I say, kind of space for, for community is important. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I, I'd kind of promote or leave it to, but thank you so much. Amazing. I will put some links in the uh, in the description so people can find them as well. And then, yeah, I guess the I guess the final the final question is: Is there a couple of sentences that you just sort of want to sum up, or anything that you that you want people to get out of this, or get out of the next step for men's mental health? Almost, what's the what's your sort of goal with it, and that sort of side of things? Definitely, I think um, understand what being a man means to you. Um, feel try and feel more open to move stuff that isn't serving you 
but don't feel ashamed and maybe put a sense of pride for things that you feel are serving you and actually serving others that you care about, friends, family, whoever they might be, um, and really use that as your kind of compass to get the right balance right between, like I say, these sort of negative pressures, but also a sense of personal responsibility and community responsibility, career, um, and, and otherwise. Amazing. Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Really insightful. Thoroughly enjoyed this one. Bit different. And um, for me, I learned a lot more, which is, is really good and, and I'm really grateful for. So thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you.